0: So uh, anyway, I just thought, okay, I'm going to dig in and share this, and I don't know if I've mentioned it to you guys, maybe I have, but it uh, it's relevant to us and to what we've been looking at. So uh, let's get started, and here's what it is, an overlooked Christmas revelation. So it's in the story of Jesus, it's always been in there, but you can miss it depending on the translation you read. And I I don't like usually basing doctrines on just one translation so this isn't a case of that but there is a very different there are three very different ways that this verse uh Luke 2:14 is translated and we're going to look at those three we're going to look at briefly the translations that choose which way and then there's nine different or there's eight additional uses of the word uh eudokomai, which I think is the word for it. And I'll let you guys draw your own conclusion. But I'm pretty excited about it, so we'll see. So, this is the word, uh, eudokia. The definitions in the lexicons are a state of being kindly disposed to or pleased by or having goodwill or goodwill towards. And so when we look at the verse, you'll probably remember and see that all of these are used in various ways. It also means the state of being favored. Now, one of the... Well, I won't jump ahead. So the state of being favored, and you can tell how that has to do with goodwill being extended to you or somebody liking you or being pleased with you or whatever the case is. So that's the word. It's used nine different times. We're going to look at one of them here. So Luke 2.14 is in the New American Standard just because that's usually where I start, and this is where I saw this, says, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. Now, some of you might remember the verse out of King James where it says, uh, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace uh, uh, and goodwill toward men. So you can tell how in the definition both the idea of being pleased, the kind of kindly disposed to, and the idea of goodwill is relevant. Okay. So I'm not like trying to I, I don't you'll find me very kind to the translation choices through most of them until we get to a couple. <laughs> so anyway, notice that there's a lot of Bible translations that translate it virtually this exact same way, or use this concept of police. Uh, New American Standard, American Standard, uh the uh English Standard Version, the Revised Standard, Holman Christian Standard Bible, the Bible in Basic English, the New Living, and then there's several others, but those are ones that I was able to highlight. If you'll notice, and if you think about it, most of those translations are, well, all of those translations are post-King James. Hi, Teresa. They're post-King James, and they're fairly modern translations. Uh, Most of those translations, not all of them, but most of them, were translated after the discovery of the Qumran scrolls. And the studies that have come since the discovery of those scrolls in Qumran, by and large, lead scholars on this verse to select the the verse uh, pleased by or or pleased with or something along those lines. And so I don't know a whole lot more about it than that, but I thought I'd say that because it made me sound smart. Like I read that stuff, which I did, but that's not the only way to know. All right, so anyway, now, uh, just so you know that I'm not trying to defend the ones I usually enjoy, David Bentley Hart and the uh, Complete Jewish Bible have it this way, glory to God in the highest places, and on earth, peace among men of goodwill. Now, that's David Bentley Hart's translation. The Complete Jewish Bible has very similar, it's a little bit different Sentence structure, but the idea of among men of goodwill. Alright, so in the first case, here's, here's the men of the earth, right? And it's saying that these men God is pleased with. In the second case, it's saying that somehow in the interaction with these men, or some, whatever among them means, there's goodwill. Okay? It's not, Terribly different, but it's significantly different. It gets more different as we move along. So this is uh, the Message Bible and the Contemporary English Version. Anybody ever read that? I have a lot of those accessibles. But it reads this way. Praise God in heaven, peace on earth to everyone who pleases God. Compare that to the first one. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. So now we have a group of people in the first translation, those that number of those translations, that God is pleased in. And then we have a group of people that are being separated out and delineated by who pleases Him. You couldn't really have two different meanings, more different meanings than those two Bibles. This one down here, the easy to read version, It's a modern translation, but its its priorities aren't actual translation so much as they're not really uh, easy to read. The title kind of says it. Praise God in heaven and on earth. Let there be peace to the people that please him. That's even more specific. So these two guys, (laughs) they don't please God. And so there's no peace to them in the announcement. There's only peace to this one. Okay. See what I'm saying? The difference. Whereas these three guys, God's pleased in, and that was made in the announcement. Okay? Uh, King James, New King James is kind of neutral. And again, the King James and the New King James were translated before there was the details discovered in some of the manuscripts in Qumran. But glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That still suggests in archaic language that there's goodwill going this way, right? Toward these men. And it doesn't really differentiate, like the one above it, to the people who please him. Okay? All right. Young's literal, which, you know, you guys know I rely on a lot to try to get back just to sort of the basic without any kind of sentence or structural nuance. Glory to God in the highest, or or, glory in the highest to God, and upon the earth among men goodwill. Now that's kind of neutral. It, It more or less means these guys have goodwill towards one another or possibly that general goodwill toward them. So the Young's literal didn't help as much. The NIV, which usually I don't totally appreciate, but again, it's a modern translation paying attention a little bit to some of this stuff. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So it still has the favor coming from God, or the delight coming from God, or the pleasing coming from God, but it, it, it does leave open the possibility that some people might have favor resting on them, and some people might not for other causes. Make sense? And then the Amplified, which always tries to pull things together, and I love it. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased, but then in parentheses, men of goodwill or of his favor. So they leave open the possibility, which I understand because of the way the definitions are. So, you guys might be in uh, might understand what I'm inclined to think is probably the proper translation. I think it was an amazing announcement that was made by an angel, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. an amazing announcement that declared that God was pleased with the people that He had created. But let's do something more scholarly than just exercise my biased opinion. So what are we supposed to believe? So here come the and my little numbering system is a bit off, but here comes uh, the other eight verses that this word, Eudokia, is is used in. The first one in chronological order in the scriptures is Matthew eleven twenty five and twenty six. At that time Jesus said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants." Yes, Father for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. Now, the interesting thing about this in the next verse is that it's got uh, two words together that if you look in a lexicon, they're variously translated, but they really shouldn't because they just mean one thing. So, eudokia, egoneto. Egoneto is a form of genomai, which means uh, bring or brought to fulfillment. And I've talked to you guys about the the nature and the importance of genomai. Uh, for instance, um. As many as, uh, he came to his own, John chapter one, round 17, whatever. He came to his own, his own, uh, received him not, but to as many as receive him, gave he the power to become children of God, become as genoma. So it means to, to be made, but it, it has a choice. It's a process. It means to be birthed, to be made, to be something like that. And it also, if you remember when we talked about genoma, um, it is, of that nature that the thing isn't being created fresh. It's being made into what it already was destined to be. It's fulfillment. So ordination is a form of genomai. Meaning that you're already ordained but now that ordination is recognized. You're already a son but that sonship is recognized. You're already a child but that childship is recognized. So that's what the nature of this is. So the, the two words uh, literally that make up this phrase are uh udokia and it means well pleasing in your sight, but it connects the well pleasing, which goes back to the basic definition of Hadokia. It connects it pretty directly with God, with his sight, with his heart, with his. See what I'm saying? So Jesus was praising his Father and saying, for this way, this way of you keeping this from the wise and revealing it to infants, um, this way was well pleasing in your sight. So the action of Uh, uh, Eudokio came from the sight of God, the heart of God, mind of God. Make sense in that verse? In this case. Okay, next one is the third instance. The second instance is Luke 2.14 that we looked at earlier. So this is the third instance. And it says, At that very time he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed infants. This is another place uh, parallel to the Matthew scripture. And same thing, it was written, Eudokio Agneto. So, well-pleasing is the Eudokio. And igneto is the one that links it to God's vision, God's sight, God's seeing. God's the one that determined this was well-being. Okay? So, I'm not trying to stretch this too far. Here's one in Romans. This is a little bit different. Uh, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Remember in Romans 9, Paul was talking about the the trauma of Israel and the danger that they were in and how he would even give himself if they could know so he said brother my heart's desire okay so desire is the word um, Eudokia and it's the 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 desire comes from where in this verse Paul's heart right so it's linked to the heart of the author of the statement so my heart eudokios, and my prayer for God for them is for their salvation. Make sense? All I'm saying is that the, that the desire is linked to the heart of the apostle. Okay? Uh, Ephesians, this is number 5 and 6, it's in Ephesians, a verse that we've looked at a lot lately. Uh, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention, that's eudokia, of his will. So, do you see what the kind intention is? Look, is, it's linked to his mind, to his decision, to his thought. Okay. That's really the only kind of point I'm making here on this one. And then verse nine is that he's known, uh, made known to us the mystery of his will. In other words, he did this act so we would know about the future. You guys remember the verse according to the kind intention. What that he purposed. So, once again, eudokio is linked to the. Cognitive intent of God. The heart of God. The thoughts of God. Make sense? Okay. Uh, Philippians 1.15. Uh, Paul's talking about people that know that he's in prison and they're preaching the gospel. And he's remember he, he says some preach out of evil motives, out of envy and strife, but uh, some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. Eudokia. That's what that, that uh, goodwill is, the word eudokia. So what it means is that in those people, the way Paul's using it, they have uh, an earnest desire to support the gospel and to support Paul, so they're preaching the gospel. Other people have evil motives, but nevertheless, the eudokia comes out of their inner desire. Make sense? All right. Philippians 2.13, For it is God, this is a little more complicated, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, the New American Standard, his is not there. They put it in for clarity because they're trying to, to, to make make it that God is at work for his own pleasure in us. In other words, that we do, will and do according to what he wants. But the desire, the good pleasure, is a part of his will. Make sense? Have I lost anybody yet? <laughs> All right, one more. And this one's a little bit bigger, uh, longer. So this is in Second Thessalonians. To this end, we also pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the works of faith with power so that the name of Jesus our Lord will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word desire there is eudoki. This one is almost like it could go both ways, whether... It's Is it God's desire or is it people's desire? But the desire is for the works to be fulfilled. The works of faith, the works of power, the goodness. So again, I I, I wanted to just bring this last one up because it's the ninth one. It's the last one in the New Testament. And, but you can see the general tendency that when you use the word, when when the apostles use the word eudokia, they were talking about a desire associated with intent. Does that seem fair? Okay. Maybe I spent too long on that, but nevertheless. All right. So here's the larger context of the Luke passage. Okay. And so backing up to verse 8 and finishing with verse uh, 15, I'm going to make a couple of points about this. And, and, and it has to do with, what right do we have to make a choice of which translation to ascribe to or to believe? All right? So in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And obviously, this is the Christmas story, of the shepherd part of it, right? And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David... There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, the verse we're looking at, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Then the angels had gone away because this is that following context. In other words, we get a glimpse into the mind of the shepherds and what they thought it meant. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So that's the big context. Now let's go back and look at just a couple of points in it. And then I'm going to let you know what I think I have permission to believe and why. And then you will have that same choice uh, to accept or modify that. <laughs> All right, so... The condition here is that the shepherds were just out doing the shepherd thing. They didn't know anything. And then all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord appeared and an angel came. And they were afraid. They were terribly afraid. So their condition in the beginning of this story is to be scared. Not know what's going on. All right? And the angel of the Lord suddenly said before them, the glory of the Lord shone around, they were terribly frightened. But the angel said, Don't be afraid. Because I'm bringing you Good news of great joy. Now, the word for good news is the same word we get for evangelism. It's euangeliumi. From the root euangelion It's the same word that we get when we talk about gospel. I'm telling you the good news. All right? Now, they were afraid. The angel said, don't be afraid because I'm bringing you good news. But not just good news. It goes on, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. So who is the good news among our three people for? All three. It's the word, the root word is "apos." It means all, all of the ones in a set. And the qualifier is the people. Another word, another place where that word is used to great effect, but translators struggle with it is in John chapter 3.16 and uh, 17 in that area. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. But the word there probably should not be translated whosoever because it's the same word as this. It's the word that means all. So a better translation, and some people do it, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that all who believe. Now, does that mean that of these three guys, talking about the John 3 verse, that they need to believe? Yeah. But what is the son given for, right? In other words, the thing that God decided to give based on love was given for all of them. And so it's a better translation in that instance to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that all who believe, because that's his intention, and then that makes verses like in Timothy, for God desires that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, or that God desires in, in 2 Peter that none uh, perish, but that all come to repentance. That makes that make sense. So the purpose behind the sending of Jesus and the purpose behind redemption was so that all, these, all three of these guys could be saved. It wasn't sent with a delineation to try to save that one, forget these two. That's what all means. And it's pretty important, I think, that we let all mean all. All right, so all, and so back to this one, I bring you good news that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David. Now, going down here, with whom he is well pleased, our word, Eudokia, to me, follows directly in the context of the announcement that the good news is for all people. So I'm thinking that that translation, as opposed to the other one, that says, for the people who please God. In other words, in this announcement, there's no condition. That doesn't mean that there aren't conditions. It just means in this announcement, there are no conditions. And then you get down here and you can see that You can see what the shepherds heard, okay? When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, remember they were very afraid, but apparently they weren't so afraid now. The shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they were mobilized to action. They didn't say, God, I wonder if we're one of the ones that are going to be blessed. Now, I know that's a long stretch, you know, but the other, I mean, they're just shepherds. They didn't have any preamble for this, except maybe some study in the Torah or, uh, you know, Isaiah 9 or whatever that verse is. But, so you see my point? So I think the context, as well as the nature of the word and the other times it's used, at least, uh, eight out of nine times, clearly links this word. Eudokia, to the intent of the heart doing something. Okay? So, which translation are we going to believe? The first one is the Numeric Standard and a bunch of others. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Then there's the uh, David Bentley Hart, the uh, complete Jewish Bible one. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth among men of good will. Now, to me, among men of goodwill creates a condition that I don't see in the original announcement. I'm not saying it's not true, because people not of goodwill may not even hear it or know or think about it. But nevertheless, I do think that was a condition. N.T. Wright, I wanted to be honest, because I've been you know, putting N.T. Wright before you guys a lot. He says, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those in his favor. So that's kind of like the Young's Literal. It's kind of non determinative And I can understand that because I understand what N.T. Wright believes about last things and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that that's a horrible translation or anything. But then when we get down to the, the uh, contemporary English version and even the message, as much as I like the message, there is definitely a theological interpretation here. It is that if you don't please God you're not a part of the announced blessing. And personally, I reject that. I, I don't reject that there that might not be true, and we'll talk about that more. <laughs> but I do reject that that was the intention of the announcement, and in the heart of the angel. And so I want you to also think with me, because this is what I was trying to think. Where did the angel come up with that announcement? He saw God. He He understood God. He was Amazed by God's desire to send his son. They were privy to it, but I'm sure it was beyond their understanding. What he took away and made as an announcement. And I don't know how the chain of command and all that stuff happens that angels end up getting to do that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, the whole idea that angels are messengers to those who are inheritors of the grace of God, I'm pretty sure that angel had in his mind, this is for all of you. All the people. That's the words he used. This is for all. And that's not in dispute. There are hardly any translations that make that. N.T. Wright's only one that kind of plays with a little bit. But, um, so I think this angel who beheld the face of God was probably either challenged, threatened, or excited to come and make this stupendous announcement. And he proclaimed it in the inclusive nature that it was offered. That's what I think. So, But that's just me thinking. I do not think that the condition to everybody who pleases God makes any sense. Because what's the criteria at this stage in the game for pleasing God? And the shepherds didn't feel threatened by it. None of them had accepted Christ. None of them had even acknowledged that he was the Messiah. That wasn't a part of the announcement. It was just a Savior in the city of David. And they they took off with the message. So what are we going to believe? I'll tell you what I believe. Because it's obvious. I believe that the best translation is the one that most of the modern translations do. And I'm pleased by that because I don't always agree with all that stuff. Uh I'm okay if somebody wants to keep it a little bit open-ended in general about, you know, among goodwill type thing. I understand that. But I reject the conditional ones, especially the, the last one. It's not the only one. There's a couple of other things. Not too many of them. But most of those come out of a theological background that read into the translation of this announcement words that were not there, conditions that aren't stated. So, any thoughts or questions before I uh, move on to my next little gizmo? What do you guys think? How many of you would lean toward the fact that God is pleased with people? It runs afoul of my, of my theological training. But do you see how important this is? And, and the fact that this is intrinsic intrinsic, buried in the very first announcement about the giving of his son, the birth of Jesus, it's as big a deal that God announced His pleasure with people, as it is that He sent His Son. It really is, because it explains the motive. Yeah, Ronnie? Is it true that Greek doesn't have commas or parentheses? Uh, for the most part, yes. It doesn't have punctuation in that way. Because it would be easier to understand if it said, He's pleased with all or peace on earth, to all men, and then in parentheses, with whom he is pleased. Meaning, in the numeric Standard, to try to but, make, but make without the parentheses. In other words, it could be all men that he's pleased with, versus all men, and he's pleased with all men. My my understanding is your beliefs and mine now are. It's peace on earth for all men, and he's pleased, and he is pleased with all men. Yeah, with whom he is pleased. That's what I think is the best translation, and that's what I think is the best representation of God's heart. And that's what I think makes sense, that this was included in the announcement before there was ever a gospel to respond to. It was a declaration of the motive of God. And we know that the motive of God is love, because he's love, light, spirit, fire, and life. And so, I don't want to go off the deep end saying, why do we have to insert a condition right there? Well, we do it because we're conditioned to do it. We do it because we think that's got to be. That's the only way you can get to righteousness. That things can only be good. In a contest between me and Adam, one of us has got to lose for the other one to win. (laughs) That's how we think. You know? And I, I, I reject that thinking. Because... That doesn't take into account who sponsors the contest and the one who sponsors the contest might in fact have enough resources we could both win and take home a prize so anyway, that's the point that's all I wanted to share. That's my Christmas goodie any thoughts okay Adam I like this uh, I like this reading of it because it lines up well with. This is the birth of Christ. He's nothing more than the son at this point. And a father is inherently pleased with his children. Yeah. And this is the the message that's uh, from God as father to all of us as his children. Yeah. And a child doesn't have to do anything to be pleasing to their father. That's right. Uh, I mean, we can be pleased or displeased with behaviors and actions, but inherently the very essence of our children is pleasing to us. Yeah. So I, I think this is beautiful. Good. Me too. I think it also helps us understand how to understand what the conditions in the gospel actually are about. they're conditions on our behalf. we have to believe of course we have to receive of course, but they're not conditions originally designed to keep us separate. they're conditions that flow out of our out of the intent to include. makes sense okay.